Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. I'm joined today by Steve Hayes, Editor-in-Chief of the Weekly Standard, and he's going to help us sort out the many peculiarities of the Donald Trump Jr. Russia connection story. But before we do that, I might mention that the Daily Standard Podcast is brought to you by the Dollar Shave Club. They don't mess around with 14-blade razors and magic lubrication strips or other gimmicky shave technology. Daily Standard listeners can get their first month with the Dollar Shave Club for just $5 with free shipping included. Just go to dollarshaveclub.com slash weeklystandard. Steve, thanks for joining us on the Daily Standard Podcast. Happy to be here. A few things to talk about today. You know, I would have thought that uh, all the news there was to have about Donald Trump Jr. and the Russians we would have had yesterday because we had such a boatload of stuff to talk about. And Michael Warren and I talked about this, and there were already varying stories from Donald Trump Jr. about what had happened back a year ago in June. And now it seems we have a third day, a third story. Yeah, and and this one might be the most explosive of of the bunch. I mean, each of these stories seems to build on what we know. And in the space of three days since the original New York Times story um, about this this meeting between Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort, and this Russian lawyer. um, Wait, I've I've got to say it because I practiced. (laughs) Natalia Veselnitskaya. Good. That's very good. You sound like a pro. I I do my best. Should we start investigating you, (laughs) the pronunciation? No, no collusion. um, But the story has changed dramatically since Donald Trump Jr. put out his first statement saying, eh, no big deal meeting about adoptions. We now know that there was a meeting um, that was uh, offered to Donald Trump Jr. Because, by the way... Donald Trump Jr. was really interested in adoption right, policy. Right. Well, I think even that first day, uh, you know, if you know sort of what U.S.-Russia um, relations have looked like over the past decade, you know that adoptions really m- means the Magnitsky Act, and this is a lawyer who'd been active in trying to, to uh, reverse that. And uh, so there was even a hint in that very first day of something more than than what uh, Donald Trump Jr. alluded to in his statement. But now here we are on the third day in which there is an email that Donald Trump Jr. himself put out that uh, includes a, uh, an email from an associate of this lawyer, somebody who um, Trump, the Trumps had dealt with in the Miss Universe pageant several years ago, offering to set up this meeting with this lawyer, uh, who promises to have information, uh, damaging information, Hillary Clinton's campaign that uh, was obtained by the Russian government. This and is, was part of, explicitly in this email, says it was part of the Russian government's effort to help the Trump campaign. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a huge deal for for two different reasons. One, it shows pretty clearly because Donald Trump Jr. took the meeting, Paul Manafort and Jared Kushner were CC'd on the email, they went to the meeting, that there was a willingness on the behalf of the Trump campaign, or at least senior officials in the Trump campaign, to collude with Russia if it were possible. Now, this doesn't mean that they did, but as we understand the results of the meeting right now, nothing was shared, nothing was, was known, but they were willing to collude with Russia if it would advance Donald Trump's uh, presidential ambitions. That's 
sort of issue number one. The second issue, or the second, maybe this is a better framed as a question, about that particular line, Russian government um, uh, information, very high level and sensitive information, which is part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump, the way that the, the, the email was phrased, is stands out because it's so obvious it's like it, it the fact that he's advertising this the sender of this this email is advertising this as russian government inf- information um suggests at least to a couple of the the folks that i've talked about who have a lot more experience in this than i do that this itself could have been an attempt at compromising trump donald trump jr just to get him to take the meeting would have been compromising because it was explicitly labeled Russian government help attempts to help. Um, so the, the the beginning and end of the efforts here could have been the meeting itself rather than any information that would have been conveyed in the meeting. Now, what is it that the Russians would have to hold over Donald Trump Jr. if he took this meeting? Would it be mere political embarrassment or would it be the prospect of something uh, more legalistic? Yeah. I I mean, as of right now, I think that you see a lot of people on the left in America coming up with various ways in which this is supposed to have broken laws. It's not clear talking to a couple lawyers I know who have dealt in this in this um, sort of area before that there were any laws broken. But certainly this makes this this takes the whole entire scandal to another level. You'll remember um, back as the campaign unfolded. All of these Trump officials were asked if there were um, any contacts with the Russians. And one after another of these officials, including Donald Trump Jr., said emphatically, repeatedly, no contact. It's crazy to suggest that, disgusting that people would even um, imply that we had done such a thing. And now we know, in fact, that such a thing had taken place. So you can see that they would, would... potentially have wanted to go to great lengths to have avoid having this information be made public. So in the experts that you've talked to, is there any sense that there's something peculiar or, or could be peculiar about getting information from a country that's an adversary as opposed to say if, you know, if you knew somebody who was an official in the Canadian government, and they had some dirt on the, your opponent in an election. No, I think the right the, the the right way to answer that is you don't take if you're running a political campaign in the United States, you don't take information from a foreign government. Um, having said that, there is um, you know I think there's an argument to be made that getting it from an adversary, maybe even an enemy, um, is worse in a matter of degree. Um, for political purposes than it would be taking from the government of Canada. There is, there is a, it's not quite an exact parallel, but um, Politico reported back in January, and the Daily Caller uh, has a story up today talking about the Democratic National Committee's efforts to enlist Ukrainians to get information on Donald Trump and his alleged collusion or dealings with the Russians. So did the Democrats do something at least similar in kind, if not exactly the same, Um, And the answer there seems to be yes. So one of the things that continues to interest me is just the structure of the White House and the campaign team. Donald Trump, looking for loyalty, has been able to count on that from his immediate family. But then that poses particular problems, which is if Donald Trump Jr. gets into trouble, that makes it particularly difficult for Donald Trump to distance himself 
Right. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, uh, there was um, news this weekend and a, a sort of a, a minor kerfuffle because Ivanka Trump sat in her seat, in her father's seat, when he stood up from the table of world leaders at the G20. And, um, you know, I think it was improper for her to have done that and certainly sent an odd message. Donald Trump tweeted and said she was holding my seat, which was an odd thing to claim as if somebody else was going to come and steal his seat. But the family has become so intertwined with everything that he's done, both on the campaign side as well as the governance side, that there's no way to separate them. And look, Jared Kushner, who is a senior White House official now serving in the White House right now, was in this meeting. And you know, one of the ways I think in which he could be in trouble is that he failed to disclose these contacts with Russians initially when he filled out his disclosure forms for the ethics. An an amendment was made. An amendment was made, but it's hard to imagine given the amount of attention paid to alleged Trump-Russian contacts, um, potential collusion, that this would have been a meeting that would have slipped his mind. A person, in theory, representing the Russian government, offering to provide damaging political information on Donald Trump's campaign opponent. Well, he got an email, or even more than one email, and one of the things you do when you're having to fill out these forms is you go and search your own email for the keywords that are relevant. And either it was incompetent on his part not to have done that, or he failed to do what he was supposed to do. Right. He seems like a competent guy. Uh, I, I would, If I had to guess, I would, I would guess that the latter explanation is probably the right one. A ringing endorsement. Jared Kushner, competent. <laughs> from, he can put that on, on his business card. Right. Stephen Hayes, thanks for joining us on the Daily Standard yeah. podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Standard. You can get all of our podcasts at weeklystandard.com. Or better yet, subscribe at iTunes or Google Play. That way you'll never miss any of our podcasts, including the Substandard Podcasts on Thursdays, the Crystal Clear Podcast with Bill Crystal every Friday, and the Confab with me, Eric Felton, every weekend. Catch you next time.